Welcome back to the Ramble Room. It has been a while for the last few weeks. It's probably pretty well known that I've been out there trying to build my new studio, our new studio. During that process a couple of weeks ago, it happened that Tom Kelly and David Iverson stopped by while Diane and I were there just to kind of see what was going on. And we all sat down had a little conversation. We recorded a portion of that, and we're going to share that with you now. I apologize for the sound quality. The studio was not yet complete. At any rate, the content of the conversation, I think, was worth saving. And as we've been absent for a while, I wanted to share with you a little bit and kind of whet your appetite for what is to come. So here is an impromptu discussion that's kind of an insider's view, if you will, about four friends sitting around the room just having a conversation, and this is where it went. You know, when I mentioned the Liz Cheney for VA.com, which you guys, if you guys haven't gone there, you, you need to. It's hysterical. I've seen it. Oh, wow. It is it's very well done. Um. And he's like, well, you know, that's not nearly very effective. And I'm like, what do you want, old man? Uh, she is doing a good job of rallying Democrats, correct? Oh, yeah. And there, uh, there are enough in the state who will cross over to get her 30 to 35% of the vote. Cemeteries are full of them. Well, yeah, yeah. Right, and we didn't do anything about changing the crossover voting. Wouldn't want to do that. I am absolutely amazed with the so-called conservative party controlling both chambers of the legislature and the governor's mansion, how little was actually accomplished. Well, it's not the conservative party. That's, that's the whole yeah. thing. I mean, it's, yeah, they're all Republicans, but really who controls the government in Wyoming is a bunch of redcoats. So do we need to abandon the Republican Party and just become the conservative party? Nope, because then the Democrats actually start winning. Yeah, no, we need to kick all these bastards out and get rid of them. Well, my answer to that is no, this is our party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll Sim- cry similar. if I want to. <laughs> so I, I looked up the definition of patriotism this morning. And let me just, uh, I took a picture of it. Because this is what Frank and I are speaking on tomorrow in Newcastle. Let's see here. Check out this definition. It's from the, the old 1828 Webster's. Love of one's country, the passion which aims to serve one's country, either in defending it from invasion or, here's the key part, protecting its rights and maintaining its laws and institutions in vigor and purity. Purity being the operative word there. <laughs> That's an old dictionary. <laughs> well, right. But yeah. it, it's like the definitive, yeah. you know, before the liberals got a hold of Webster. Interesting. But I, I found it interesting that we, we've all heard this phrase, purity test. When the very definition of patriotism is like maintaining your rights with purity. Yeah, and that's supposed to be a, a critical way of looking at somebody, saying somebody has their litmus test or their purity test or that type of thing. Um, but that's usually a smokescreen for somebody who is just in 
ideological windsock. <laughs> Whichever which way the wind is blowing, it's, we've got a governor that does that. He waits to see what the other other governors are doing, waits to see what their poll numbers are, sticks his finger up in the air, figures out the political winds, and then has a speechwriter write a speech in that direction. Mm-hmm. Except that I've noticed that it feels like he's doing that, but then he still doesn't do what they do. He doesn't even have the guts to follow them in what they decide to do. He just doesn't do anything. He lets somebody else do anything that's uh, would put them out in there, like making a decision or something. Right. I mean, if the guy had any guts at all, he would have vetoed the redistricting bill. That would have been fun. Well, I mean, it would have gone back to what it was before, and sure. then we would have had a court court battle over it. So the path of least resistance is what we're seeing all the time. But you saw that in the latest session down in Cheyenne. You have stuff like a CRT bill where not just Republicans, but people of Wyoming overwhelmingly don't want taught in the schools that the United States is an irredeemably white supremacist country that has to be remade, that all white children have some sort of privilege, and they're always going to have a leg up in life because their skin color. And they should go about apologizing for anyone who that. is Anybody who is not white is a hopeless victim, and you can never make it in this country. You either become co-opted by the white supremacist regime or you're a victim of it. That everybody knows that that's just not just damaging to the fabric of society, but it's, it's damaging to the kids themselves. And a CRT bill fell flat on its face in the house in Cheyenne. Two but, of them did, actually. How does that happen? I was thinking of the one that passed the Senate. I forgot which Senate, which one that was. Uh, that was the Transparency and Education Bill, wasn't it? Yes. Um, I believe you're correct. All of them stunned me. It was, was it you, Tom, that just said a few minutes ago in a, in a legislature where we control both houses? and we control the governorship, and we can get nothing done. I read today that three more states have come out. Well, I've seen some states recently have been disallowing boys who identify as girls from dominating girls' sports. That's what it was. And it, we even ha- I forget was. which state it was. Was it Indiana or Idaho? One of the even overrode a governor's veto of such a bill. Yes. And we had a bill come up, simply put, you can't have a boy suddenly identify as a girl, physically, biologically, still male, show up and play on a girl's sports team. And it didn't even get out, it didn't even get introduced to the floor in Cheyenne. How does that happen? Where's the leadership on that? Was there any discussion on well, that or on recorded now. votes? Hold on, I think that it, it passed one of the, one of the chambers. Yeah, passed the Senate. And yeah, the, and yeah, that's what we were saying in the beginning of that. It never even showed up in the House. How does that happen? It, it makes sense when you have something like, when you have divided control of the state legislature, if one chamber's the Democrats, one chamber's the Republicans, it's quite common for something to pass one chamber and not even get brought up in the other. But when the Republican Party overwhelmingly controls both chambers, how does it pass, easily pass the Senate and then not even come up for a vote in the House? Well, and that, again, Tom, you're, you're highlighting the problem that we have with Wyoming politics that, you know, yes, the Republican Party controls 
the legislature and the governorship. But they're not they're not all Republicans. Like the Speaker of the House, Eric Barlow, he votes with the Democrats like 80, 83 or 84 percent of the time. I mean, he is not a, a Republican. I mean, yes, in name only. His mother lives here in Sheridan and is a precinct committee woman for the Democrat Party. Well, he ought to be, too. But the reason why he doesn't have that D by his name is he wouldn't get elected in Gillette. And, you know, the vast majority of the people that are in at least the House of Representatives are are extraordinarily liberal. And the same same thing holds true with them. Look at Dan Zwanitzer. I mean, Dan Zwanitzer is responsible for pretty well killing, like, every single conservative bill that he possibly can. Um, But... uh, the vast majority of the people down there are very, very, very liberal. And in the House, there's only 18 people that are conservative. Well, now, not even, not even that. There are 15, because three of them are going to run for the Senate. So people of Wyoming have to ask themselves, how, how does this happen? Because the state itself, the people of Wyoming themselves, one of the most conservative states in the country. When you see the polls, when you see the national voting, very conservative. How does such a conservative state elect so many people to the state legislature who who don't represent how they actually feel about issues on guns and abortion and CRT and transgender bills and those types of things. Yeah, I, I did find that article. Uh, Arizona, Oklahoma, and Kentucky on Thursday joined the ranks of other states whose Republican-led legislatures have passed bills to protect girls' sports from transgender activists. Overwhelmingly popular idea in Wyoming. Right. And yet, all these other states, we've, we've mentioned this before in some of the old Ramble Room podcasts when Sarah and Joe were still here, and we talked several times about Wyoming ought to be setting the pace. We're the most conservative state out there as far as the people are concerned, which Tom just mentioned. We ought to be setting the standard. We ought to be the front of the icebreaker ship. Well, I, th- I think it really goes back to, like, like who are the people of Wyoming, really? Why, why do we live here? And the answer to that is we want to be left alone. Like, we're, we're, a, we're a people that fundamentally believe in freedom. Like, you mind your own business, and you stay out of mine, and I'll do the same. And secondly, we're—I don't want to say that we're an overly trusting people, but here, a handshake really means something. You know, Tom, like, later, when we— we shake on a 50-year payment plan for your motorcycle, you know, you can count on that. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> With no, nothing down. <laughs> I won't be alive that long, but yeah. Well, and, and, but the point is that when people come to us and they say, we hate abortion, we love guns, um, we're, we're conservative, uh, we don't like to spend money we don't have, well, we stupidly believe them. And then we go into the voting booth, and it used to be we pull the, pull the lever for them, but we don't do that anymore. You know, we, you, you, you know, fill in the box and then that's it. And then we just assume that they're going to, those, these politicians are going to do what they said they were going to do. And we go about our, our, our lives and those folks go to Cheyenne and they do exactly the opposite of what they told us. Well, and there's the, the fool me once, shame on you. When somebody doesn't, they're running for an office and they don't have a voting record. That's understandable that they can say whatever they want and you don't really know. But the second time, shame on us. Absolutely. Do your homework. They, their, their voting records are all over the internet. You can go to Wild Leg and look and see what they're up to. That's, that's on us now. Absolutely it is. 
And I, I think that all of us have to take responsibility for the legislature that we do have because, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we're the ones that elect them. And, you know, I, I don't think that we bear like all of the responsibility for it because certainly we were lied to in, oh, yeah. in many cases. But, you know, going forward, we've got plenty of evidence that these folks are not who they say they are and that many of them do have an agenda. But how do we get into this boat in the first place? Why is it the conservatives dominate the populace of Wyoming, yet non-conservatives dominate the legislature? Why is it Democrats or liberals wearing the Republican brand? Why are they the ones predominantly running for office? What are we missing here? How come conservatives are not running for office? What we're missing is, and David alluded to it a little bit earlier, the conservatives want to be left alone. We want to go do our job. We want to run our businesses. We want to live our life. There is something in the liberal mentality that wants to interfere with everybody else's lives, wants to be in the middle of their business, wants to control, wants to change, wants to alter. And so the people that make up Wyoming are busy doing what they do. And then we have a group of liberal people here who don't want to go do those things. They don't want to run their own businesses. They don't want to whatever. So the easy thing to do then is become a legislator. Go out there, carry your little elephant banner and wave the flag and then go down there and do whatever you want to do. I think you hit on something right there because people tend to be consistent in their personalities. And if you're the type of person who doesn't want others telling you what to do, you tend not to be the type to want to tell everyone else what to do. That's but, why we get pushed around. We're, we're commonly polite, and they're not. Political power generally is not attractive. It doesn't, it doesn't sound like, this sounds like a great idea. I'll have all this power. I'll be able to coerce all these people to live my way, and, and that's just not an individualist or liberty-oriented mindset. Um, I, I guess it's how somebody like you and me end up running for office in Wyoming not because we want that power, but because we want to pare back that power. Um, as a parent who's got five kids in the public schools, and I see the public school budget spiraling out of control and results aren't getting any better, and despite whatever we hear coming out of Cheyenne, we still see the same left-wing ideologies and crazy ideas that overwhelmed California and Illinois seeping now into Wyoming schools. And like, I'm not running for superintendent because, boy, I really want to be superintendent. I'm running because many people ask me to. Some people actually beg me to. We need somebody who could stand up to this and speak eloquently enough and give the arguments that it's okay for parents to decide what their kids learn in the public schools. Well, and I think it goes back to, you know, people wanting, conservatives want to be left alone. And we don't want to interfere in anybody else's life. So political you know the the political arena doesn't doesn't appeal to most conservatives you know we'd rather we'd rather be going to work taking care of our house and um, riding our motorcycle after tom sells it sells his to me Um, you know we don't we don't want to run for political office the left does because they do have an agenda and like ken said they do want to be involved in everyday decisions and so you know, the, the, the real reason why we have trouble finding conservative people that want to run for office is that we don't want to. 
Right, and and I think that some of the we, we talk about the the rhinos in the state. I don't know that much about where they've come from. A lot of them, I guess, are from around here, but I think that we're also dealing with interference from outside the state because not only can the the left inside the state not just leave people alone. People outside the state are looking in and going, those people are way too free and independent. we got to do something about that. And that really came home to me when two summers ago when we, we were having the cities burning and there was going to be a Black Lives Matter protest downtown, and they had to bus people in to do that because there weren't enough people in Sheridan who wanted to protest. Uh, excuse me, where did you get these people and why? Why did Sheridan need a protest if the people here don't feel like protesting, but they can't leave us alone. I'd like to go back to something David was saying about how we want to be left alone. Let's clarify that a little. Conservatives tend to want the government to leave us alone. Um, it, it being somebody who, my daughter had childhood cancer, um, I would have appreciated had the government left me alone during that time. Um, conservatives did not leave me alone, nor did I want to be left alone. They helped clean my house. They helped take care of my kids. They helped pay my medical bills. All sorts of people who stood up for my family and donated tens of thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours were conservative people. Uh, and I remember looking back in the two, I remember who my Democratic friends were. were. I remember who my conservative friends are because those are the ones that gave me nothing but, well, the government should. Well, this, this is why we should have universal health care. This is why should we have universal child care. By the way, I'm not going to do anything but go on Facebook and rant. I'm not going to do anything to help your family. So when we say want to be left alone, I think it's just a matter of we want the government staying out of our business. But it's not like we're you know a bunch of angry, isolated people. And often we get portrayed as that um, or the libertarian types. You've seen like the cartoon, the libertarian lifeguard just sitting there watching a person drown saying, you're on your own, which is completely the antithesis. Because for any type of free society to function, people have to compassionately support one another. That's the way society functions. Liberals believe people won't help each other unless the government coerces them to. And after my daughter had leukemia, I see why they have that mindset. Because no liberals helped us because nobody was coercing them to. But conservatives came out of the woodwork. We didn't even know churches and everybody showing up to help us out. That's part of that. It seems like any time that, that conservatives get accused of some sort of malpractice, whatever they're being accused of is precisely what the accuser is doing. There's that transference. There's a term for that. Projection. It, it is projection. I think that is the term for it, Ken. It, it, it is. <clears throat> you know what? That, that is a common thing. I mean, that, that's a, the old trope of a, a marriage, that the, the spouse accusing the other one of cheating all the time is typically the one who's cheating. There's, yeah, there's just that idea that oh, I'm guilty, so that they must be guilty too. And the same thing with success. I love to work with my hands. I like to build things. I like to create things. I like being able to sit back at the end of the day or drive down the street three years later and say, I did that. And I enjoy building things up. You, edifying. you, you didn't build that. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody, <laughs> Somebody else made yeah. that happen. I enjoy that aspect, and so that's what I want to do with my life. But it seems like there are so many of the people on the left that all they want to do is tear things down. It's well, an opposite mentality, and the opposite of the creator is Satan. And I think there's something in that. It's not just tear things down. 
it's tear people down. Sure. Tear successful people down. Uh, tear people down in history who were successful who can no longer even defend themselves. Tear down the statues to them. Now, somebody would jump in at this point and say, oh, you want Confederate statues to be up. No, I, no, I just don't want you pulling down Thomas Jefferson. I like them because they're cool. Or Robert E. Lee. If you drive by, you, you mentioned that one. There's, what's the one on Stone Mountain in Georgia? Has anybody ever seen Stone Mountain, Georgia? Well, yeah, yes, I was there with right. you. Yeah, I know you have. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the Confederate... Um, a sculpture they've got on the side of the hill. Exactly. A massive, a, a wonderful work of art, but it also commemorates historically who these people were and, and gives you some sort of an, imp- an impression there. And even if, even if you disagree with what you think they did, it's still history. But there's, I want to go back to this idea of creation or edifying versus degradation or tearing down or tearing apart there is it seems to me on the side of the right a reflection of god in that we build things up we're creating and that's what god does satan the opposite of god the 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 negative side is constantly trying to tear that apart and tear it down and I may sound like some sort of religious wacko I don't really care almost like you used to preach in church or something (laughs) But, but I think that's part of what we're seeing here is, is there's one side that is attempting to build things up and there's another side that's tearing things down. And there, there are holes in that argument. They could make examples of, well, what about slavery? And I have answers for that too. Well, I always tend to shy away from the good versus evil argument because um, this is something I talked about on a recent podcast elsewhere, that when you have the good versus evil, and you're on the good side, and the opposition is evil, there's no room for compromise or discussion. Uh, and we, we're seeing that more and more. It's part of why politics are getting so polarized in America, because anyone who disagrees with you isn't just stupid now that person's evil. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the destruction tendencies on the other side are also envy, because they see things as, if you are successful, I can't be. Or you're keeping someone else from yeah, being successful. Zero sum game, right. right. If you're rich, then you took that from someone, and it probably was me. I don't have as much as I want because you have it all, and it doesn't. That doesn't really make any sense. But it's an emotional thing. It's it doesn't it doesn't have to be logical. Yeah, exactly. Elon Musk became a billionaire by taking money from people who didn't have any. Right. It makes no sense <laughs> at all. Well, he may have may have become a billionaire by taking people taking money from stupid people, but yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I was referring to the electric vehicles. But I, I, I think that there's something a little bit deeper here, that we have, we have moved away from a, uh, educating people on what true freedom is. Like we, we've taken God out of schools, and we've replaced it with secular humanism. And there's a big difference between secular humanism and you know what our, what our founders were talking about in, our, in the Declaration of Independence, you know, the... Uh, with firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, um, secular human humanism um, is is the that man is the measure of all things, and if man is the measure of all things, then, well, Diane, if you you know if you're a believer and you're successful because of that, well, then I have to tear you down. I mean, it it, it is an ideological framework that um, that the left has that you know it's collectivism versus you know, individual rights. 
you know, Karl Marx was once asked what he thought of the first um, communist commune. I think, where did it happen? Ohio, Idaho, um, not Idaho, Ohio or Indiana or somewhere there. Well, it only the commune only lasted a few Plymouth, years. Plymouth Rock. Well, well <laughs> yeah, that one only lasted a few years either. Yeah. But in the 1800s, this one failed. A New Harmony is what it was called. The New Harmony um, Community. And uh, Karl Marx laughed at the question and the guy asking him, says, well, why are you laughing? And he, he said, well, well, for communism to work, it has to be forced. <laughs> and so when, when you have people who are, who are of the collectivist mindset, um, it's natural, it seems natural for them to force people into you know, believing their, you know, aligning themselves with their way of thinking. Because anything outside of that is going to threaten their their ideological belief that collectivism is the right um, is the right course of action, and you know conservatives just don't believe that. Well, we can go back to how we um, look at we have got rhinos, people who call themselves Republicans, but they're not really. Now you're saying, talking about educating people on freedom or liberty. Well, the the ivory tower Marxist types are way ahead of you by redefining liberty. They they talk about well, we've got positive liberty and negative liberty. Oh yeah, I'm sure you've heard this before. You know, negative liberty is the old "leave me alone, you can't make me do anything." Oh, that's antiquated. That's selfish. But there's a better liberty. It's positive liberty. When the government makes sure you has you have food and medical care and a job, basically a communist system. Now you have the liberty to do whatever you want because you don't have to worry about survival. And it's worked out so well in every country that's attempted to provide those things for people. And it's a perfect lie because we've had that discussion many times about you can't have liberty without responsibility. Absolutely. And so it's, it's a perfect lie. And I'm going to go back to my theme. And I'm okay if, I, if you classify me this way. That's evil. That's Satan's lie. You can be God. Well, that's that's the that's the whole secular humanist thing that I was talking about, like man exactly. being the measure of all things. Well, exactly. I got to be fair about this because you know, while I won't jump into the you know the the, the fire and brimstone preacher, um, you ha- this is factually true. If you go and read something like the Satanic Bible, and look at humanist theory, they are incredibly similar. The parallels are amazing. Basically, humanism is just Satanism yeah. minus the mention of Satan, which is basically. You're your own God. It's trying to usurp God. People are the highest level of consciousness, and Mm -hmm. we uh, make and break everything in the world. So, yeah, I I do see the parallels between Satanism and humanism. But again, I I like to stay away from the good versus evil type of thing. But it's just a flat-out lie that government can give you your freedom by taking care of you any more than I give my children their freedom because I I pay all their bills and I, I buy their food and I pay the heating bills. They know they don't have the freedom to do whatever they want because I can turn off that internet because it's mine, or I don't have to take them out to eat at a restaurant because it's my money And until they clean their bedrooms. They lose that free. And I tell them later, when you pay stuff yourself, when you are responsible for your own things, then you're free. Just like you were saying, you're not free unless you're responsible for your own health care, for your own food, because as soon as there's somebody in charge, like Joe Biden, no, he's not in charge. Like, <laughs> As soon as there's somebody in charge, like who's ever pulling the strings of the White House and walking the marionette around, and they start to say stuff like, well, okay, but we're not going to cover your medical bills anymore unless you get this vaccination. You're not free. Exactly. You mentioned Biden, and I'm going to swerve just a little bit if I can. He came out, I think, in kind of a loose-lipped, off of the teleprompter, 
and saying Putin has to be removed. How did he phrase it? Putin can't be left in charge. Yeah, this guy can't stay in office. Yeah. Right? This guy can't we stay like, in power. Whatever. We like to sit around and kind of make fun of Biden and his situation. Well, he had a, he had a moment of clarity. Yes, but <laughs> that's, that's true. But he's a loose cannon, and he's extremely dangerous. This is what I meant about him. just don't know what he's going to do. This is what I meant about him bumbling us into a war. Exactly. And, and he's already got his spokespeople out there trying to clean up his mess again. Well, no, yep. no, we don't have any intentions for regime change. That's not what he meant. And we're hearing that constantly now. Yep. Jen Psaki has got the hardest job in the world to try and make sense of that administration. I don't feel bad for her, though. No. Oh, I don't, I, no, I've got no. no sympathy for her. She chose to be there, but that is a, I, I wouldn't want that job to, to try and make sense of Harris and Biden, what they say and do? And Pelosi's no better. Somebody pointed out the other day, the first, you know, the president, the vice president, and the speaker of the House, the first three ranking people, they're all completely whacked. Oh, yeah. You remember, well, like Pelosi at the State of the Union, where she was, like, rubbing her fists together, whatever mm-hmm. she was doing, when uh, Biden was talking about toxic fumes in Iraq. I mean, it was just bizarre. Yeah, it's, it's evil. Sorry, <laughs> I can't get away from that. Well, it is Sunday, Ken. Yes. I mean, it, oh, yeah. Sunday. Speaking of evil, I'm, I'm not in church today. We're sitting in our brand new studio, which has not been sound treated yet. That's why it sounds like we're in the shower or someplace like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we were just sitting around kind of enjoying being in here and talking about how we could do what we could do, and conversation ensued, and I hope you enjoy it. 